I would now like to welcome Amar Jeevalochan ji. Dr. Amar Jeevalochan is an associate professor in ancient Indian history and culture in Shivaji College, University of Delhi. He is on the board of many organizations, notable among them uh, on the IAHR and IASS. He is also a visiting professor, School of Asian Studies, University College, Cork Island, and visiting professor, Research Institute of Languages and Cultures of Asia, Mahidol University, Thailand. His PhD thesis was named India and Thailand, a study in a culture, uh, culturation. He is the editor of three international journals or newsletters and has lectured and presented over 60 research papers on Indian culture and religion related issues. I would now like to welcome Amarji Valochanji to kindly take the chair. I would now like to uh, welcome our next presenter, Sunil MB. Sunil Upasana is a writer and a blogger with a keen interest in philology. He primarily writes in his native tongue, Malayalam, and has authored three books to date. One, a collection of short stories, the second, an autobiography, and the third, a philosophy book, which introduces Indian philosophy for a beginner. His philosophy articles have been published in various weeklies in Kerala. Holder of a technical degree with a diploma in computer hardware maintenance, he is now pursuing his BA in Philology from IGNO. After a stint in various IT companies like HCL uh, Infosystems, he is now a freelancer living in Bangalore. of this paper presentation, I wish to express my thanks to IJNCA and uh, Infinity Foundation team for giving me this opportunity to present my paper. I also extend my sincere thanks to Shailini who has edited the contents of my paper. A few details about me. I am Sunil, writing with the pen name Sunil Upasana. So far, three books of mine have been published. It is in literature and philosophy area. And uh, my education is in technical stream, information technology. I work and live in Bangalore. And uh, I have a 45% hearing issue. During question and answer section, you may need to write. Okay. Contents of my paper, I shall explain as the discussion progress. My paper title is The Upanishads, the source of Buddha's teachings. I wrote this paper to refer to major arguments of Mr. Pollock, which he has furnished in his book named The Language of the Gods in the World of Man. First argument is Buddha's announcement doctrine cancelled the core conception of the Upanishad thought. Second argument is Buddhist sought fundamentally to reject the authority of Vedas. 
since i have some good knowledge in hindu and buddhist philosophy so i found mistakes in this argument and i will strive to prove my points now to the paper dravata before repeating the arguments i want to explain the relation between praditya samudpada doctrine of sri buddha and uh, with the with the upanishads there are relation between them the most important doctrine of buddha is praditya samudpada because anandman doctrine depends on praditya samudpada doctrine and it another name of praditya samudpada doctrine is theory of relativity or theory of dependent organization it states that from the existing causes effects comes forth and in next turn effects becomes the causes to give birth to new effects this cycle continuously endlessly uh, the nature of this theory is that everything in the experimental world are continuously changing and what the changes that did not have essence if i think depends on another thing then the first thing cannot have independent existence they have only relative existence since everything in the experimental world depends on each other then everything in the experimental has no ultimate existence but they have only relative existence this theory of relativity is the kernel of buddha's teachings and this theory has Uh, relation with the uh, upanishad doctrine of madhuvidya madhuvidya doctrine is uh, taught by sage daityaj we can find it in the brahmadharma upanishad second chapter fifth se- fifth section i shall read out the uh, first uh, sloka of madhuvidya the earth is like honey to all beings and all beings are like honey to this earth the same with the shining immortal being who is in this earth and the shining immortal corporeal being in the body these four are but this self this self knowledge is the means of immortality this underlying unity is brahman this knowledge of brahman is the means of becoming all there are similar slogans in which water fire air sun moon they are equated to honey to all beings it is not easy to comprehend the idea of madhvidya shankaracharya says that shankarabhasya because there is mutual helpfulness among the parts of the universe including the earth and because it is common experience that those things which are mutually helpful spring from the same cause are of the same genus and dissolve into the same thing therefore this universe consisting of the earth etc on account of mutual helpfulness among its parts must be like that the first portion indicates that everything in the experimental world are in the state of mutual helpfulness since they are in mutual helpfulness they are interconnected what are interconnected they have only dependent existence that is their existence is only relative not ultimate so 
the idea of madhyavidya is experiment world in a state of mutual helpfulness um the in such a scenario buddha's pradidya samudpada doctrine can be derived from upanishads it is not buddha who coined this first uh, from from chandogya upanishad there is conversation between shwadayudu and his father aruni they are uh, gold and gold ornaments are equated to cause and effects this pradidya samudpada doctrine is can also be derived from that and samgya is pre buddhistic of course there is a sadgaya vada cause of it there also uh, though there are some differences of course pradidya samudpada is a posterior to these theories so next the core of my paper anandmand doctrine anandmand doctrine is derived from pradidya samudpada everything in the ex- experiment will change continuously so a permanent entity like anman cannot exist in the experimental world that is the core of anman theory and buddha uh, rejected anman but which anman this uh, question is important because there were three anman concepts in ancient india the first the first is jivanman of advaita vedanta and the second is anman concept of nyaya vaisheshika and the third paramanman or brahma concept of upanishad i will show that in all these three anman concepts buddha and upanishad are in same side same opinion at first jivanman concept jiva according to upanishads from the advaita point of view there is one important thing my whole paper is based on advaita point of view not from advaita view point according to upanishad from the advaita point of view jivanman is the conditioned brahma brahma limited by body characteristics embodied anman reflection of uh, it can also be called as reflection of brahman on the avidya of an individual upanishad says that jivanman is not ultimately real but people who are in vyavaharya level they consider jivanman as ultimate but when they get brahmavidya they will avoid this they will relinquish this thought that jivanman is real and regarding buddha buddha have also approved that people may feel something like an atman inside them but this thought is wrong this thought is arises as the result of combined operation of five skandhas five skandhas of buddhism are material form sensations perception volition and consciousness their combined operation give birth to atman concept Uh, abichu who understand the really meaning of uh, four noble truth uh, will relinquish this anman thought so there um, in the vyavahara level buddha and upanishad are in same side a jivanman or any such equivalent concept does not have ultimate existence next the nyaya avishesika position according to nyaya there are innumerable anman in this universe 
And Arman is inside us, inside everyone. And it is eternal by itself. Um, it, every Arman is independent of each other. They enjoy Sukha, Dukkha and so on. After attaining Mosha, they continue to remain in a, continue to remain independent but in a supreme blissful state. This Arman concept is not in the Upanishads from the Advaita viewpoint. And Buddha, Buddha of course rejected this Arman because in a experimental level this Arman is permanent in nature. So Buddha rejected it. Next, Paramatman concept of Upanishad. Regarding this, Upanishad's stand is very clear. Brahman is one without a second. Brahman is the ultimate reality. Uh, it is beyond the reach of senses. It is beyond the... Uh, it is, we cannot be comprehensible by logic. It is realizable through Sravana, Manana, Nididhyasana. This is the Upanishad position about Brahma. And regarding Buddha, it is some very peculiar. Buddha proved the existence of an ultimate reality. If there is no ultimate reality, then Bhikshus will continue to remain in the loop of samsara. That is not possible. Buddha clearly says that Bhikshus can escape from samsara. Samsara is in a higher level. So, where, to where they can escape? They can escape to a state that is above samsara. That itself is the ultimate reality. Nirvana is the ultimate reality. Buddha have approved the existence of an ultimate reality in some sutras. Such one is Udana, the solemn utterance of Buddha. In Udana, Buddha says that there is O Bhikshus, an unborn, unoriginated, uncreated, unformed. Where they are not, O Bhikshus, this unborn, unoriginated, uncreated, unformed, there would be no escape from the world of born, originated, created, formed. This is one. And in the second occasion, Buddha says in Brahma Jwala Sutta that uh, he achieved a state which is profound, difficult to realize, hard to understand, tranquilizing, sweet, not to be grasped by mere logic, subtle, comprehensible, only by the ways. This comments, of course, indicates the existence of an ultimate reality. These things are not in the level of samsara. Uh, Buddha called this ultimate reality as Nirvana. Upanishad called it as Brahma. When, Mr. when we hear that Buddha rejected Atman, we must understand that Buddha rejected Atman in the Vavaharya level not in the ultimate level. If there is no ultimate reality, then Bhikshus cannot escape from the loop of samsara. Uh, being things, the things being so, all of the statements that uh, Buddha, Sana and Men doctrine cancelled the core conception of Upanishad is uh, wrong. Next, uh, the second argument, Buddha's rejection of, of the Vedas. That this argument is partially true, only partially true. There are certain sutras which indicates that Buddha existed, Buddha proved the validity of uncorrupted original Vedas. 
That is one sutta named Brahmana Dhammika Sutta. In that Sutta, Buddha says that uh, Brahmins corrupted the original Vedas by inserting sacrificial hands. So he rejected it. This indicates that there is two versions of Vedas. One uncorrupted original Vedas, the second is corrupted Vedas. So I shall give a nutshell of idea explained in the Brahmana Dhammika Sutta. Brahmana, Brahmana Dhammika Sutta says that in ancient times Brahmins lived austerely with self-restrained. They had no cattle, gold or too much grain. Their wealth was Vedic lore and they guarded it very well. They never killed cattle in sacrifices. At that time Brahmins were unbeaten and inviolable. Then gradually corruption crept in. Brahmins saw the splendor and wealth of kings and craved for the same. They composed some Vedic hymns themselves, approached the kings and persuaded them to do sacrifices, which assured them more wealth and prosperity. In such sacrifices, thousands of cattle were killed. This trade continued and thus Brahmins lost their ancient glory. This is the core meaning of Brahmana Dhammi Sutta. It is a lengthy Sutta. Buddha's opinion about Brahmins and the authority of Vedas can be derived from Brahmana Dhammiya Sutta. What is simple in the Sutta is that in ancient times, Brahmins processed the uncorrupted original version of the Vedas. So, Vedas must have had authority then. Uh, when somebody says that Buddha rejected the authority of Vedas, uh, he must also he must give a complete picture of the, complete picture of the scene. This is my point, sir. And I am concluding the a thorough philosophical research between Buddha's teachings and Vedic tradition, especially the Upanishad, will establish that there is not much difference between them. Thus, whoever approves Buddha's teachings and Sutras must also approve Vedic tradition as well. I finish. Thank you. To help me, you can do two things. You can go to the subscribe button on my YouTube and subscribe. We need more subscribers there. Uh, secondly, I get lots of emails on people saying, how do we donate? How can we help you? Uh, you go to rajimalhotra.com or you go to infinityfoundation.com and you can hit the donate button. You can donate in dollars. There are different ways mentioned. If you want to donate in rupees, there is a column called uh, Infinity Foundation India and you click that and there are instructions on how you can donate in India. 